Middle cough. Maybe it. Recording this podcast on a Thursday as we watch a little golf. Get ready for college football. If you're listening to this before Thursday night, or you are, uh, or if you're watching it live, we um, we got a football game tonight. We got Ohio State Minnesota Thursday night on Fox. So that's just one thing to keep an eye on. Don't forget, everybody, uh, our DraftKings game is already underway at East Lake. Hundred people in, twenty bucks, twenty bucks a pop. We'll see what happens. Uh, so we'll be watching that this week, but we'll tell you more about DraftKings later. Just get in the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League, whether you're in the golf game or not, because um, then you'll be in for football. So do that. You said Ohio State plays Thursday night? Ohio State plays hey, tonight. We're recording this tonight. Ohio State, Minnesota, tonight. Damn, that's sweet. I just I, That's awesome. I think Boise plays UCF tonight, too. Yeah. Good football night. Holy shit. I didn't uh, realize Ohio State, Minnesota. I mean, I guess I did, but maybe I didn't. No, this is why we repeat it. There's just a lot going on, a lot to keep up with. We'll get to some of the big games coming up in a few. Uh, also, Middlecoff, the mailbag. Everybody get in the mailbag. Go to iTunes. Leave us a review. In that review, we want your favorite play, your favorite bar. Yeah, favorite bar. Favorite bar, favorite drink, favorite bar. Uh, you can also do that same thing at on our Facebook page, right? Leave a little question. Uh Put a little thing up there. You can also just leave questions on different uh, different posts. Obviously, the podcast gets posted to Facebook as well. Zuckerberg, they're pretty uh, they're pretty well progressed on that website. You can just press a button and the podcast plays. Pretty incredible. Uh, so get on it right now. Facebook, LinkedIn, hit up us on DMs, whatever you want. If you hit us up on DMs, though, we'll just probably interact with it. Won't actually get your question uh, answered. There's too much going on. I can't keep track of everything. Yeah, the fastest way to get it in. Is is you iTunes. put it on the you put it on the iTunes, you know you can put it in a Facebook Messenger. We will check that, before, like not just a post, also the Messenger. Other DMs, we'll read them, we'll interact. We might forget to include them in the mailbag though. So, yeah, a lot of moving parts. You know, we got families, we got lives, we got Colorado games to call. We're, we just a lot of shit going on. <laughs> hey, Ramin, are you ready? A lot going on, John. I'm ready. Uh, did you see 500 pound uh, Ralphie six? I did not, no. I thought you tweeted something. I pressed play. I didn't see a, a Ralphie there. Baby Ralphie, there- yeah. They put out a, Colorado put out a sweet little video about, it's like, you know, Chris Fowler narrated. And Ralphie's, it's a ba- baby Ralphie. Year and a half old Ralphie debuts on Friday. How big is baby Ralphie? 500 pounds. <laughs> How big was normal Ralphie? Way bigger. Oh, so it's still got a little ways to go to get yeah. to big Ralphie stuff. A little ways to go, yeah. Is, was Ralphie the father? No. So n- none of them are related. Ralphies are all girls. How about that little nugget? Ralphie, the mother, they have nothing in common. They just Their name just is always Ralphie, but they have no wow. relation to each other. Gender neutral name, I guess. Yeah, the, I think a lot of people think Ralphie's a boy. I, that's what I assume. I did too, until somebody told me a few years ago. Yeah. So, Well, say hi to Ralphie. Great, great tradition, John. <laughs> it is cool. I don't know if it's quite, you know, you don't, you, you don't quite get the full effect when it's baby Ralphie, but very adorable. Adorable. Right? Remember, remember a couple years ago at Oklahoma when the the Sooners, the, scoon- the Sooner fell? Scooter, <laughs> it ripped up the field. Did they have like um like a celebrity person in the in the Schooner in addition? To like I, th- the I thought it was just like a you know either students or I, I don't think it was anyone famous. That that thing is. <laughs> and if there were, I don't know if famous people were getting in that fucking thing. Not anymore. I thought there was like a. 
I felt like an ESPN reporter was in the front seat or Jesse Palmer or something like that. Maybe it's happened before on that individual one. It will, I, I thought it was random. I mean, guy, they, if you haven't Googled Oklahoma cart flip, did people get ejected? The cart shatters. The field gets destroyed. Field the gets horses do not break stride. They didn't stop. Maybe it was like the field, like hype guy. Maybe that's who was it. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It was. There, there was just carnage. Absolute carnage. What was better that that highlight? You remember when Bevo tried to go after the Georgia Bulldog? Aga, yeah, Aga. <laughs> that I, he just like hit the yeah, fence. Yeah, he was just trying to say freaked. hi. Yeah, the dog got big. a little close. I I thought that the Oklahoma snafu could have been really bad. Like it, if you got flipped and the horse and the carriage just you know could have ripped off an arm, it could have been really could have been really, really bad. Ugly. I mean, Ugga could run away. What's it? Bevo? 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 B e v o. I would say if Bevo got out of the fence, you could have a problem. Yeah, yeah. But you is Bevo chasing people down? I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, maybe a red. Isn't that what the bulls kind of naturally get Color gravitated red, yeah. toward? I went to uh, Pamplona Georgia. when I, I spent two months in Spain, I think in 2005. Spent the night in Pamplona. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you don't really sleep. And then the running of the bulls, you know, kicks off at about 6 a.m. I'm on the fence, like Fry and Trenton. I'm like, bro, I, you, you guys are just a little fucking crazier than me. Like, I, I, I can push the envelope a little bit in life. I, I don't know if I can do this. Just, and I, I, I couldn't do I stayed on the fence. They got down on the road. I mean, I'm right there as the bulls turned the corner. And I just, I, I didn't do it. I waited till they passed. Then I got in the street and I followed them to the deal. But no, I was it, like, I, yeah. guy, you couldn't move. I mean, it was just like jam-packed. And these bulls come racing across the rocks too so there's not it's not grass they slip it's risky i pushed out but I'm i, I, I wouldn't I'm call here. it that <laughs> no i everyone's intoxicated everyone it's quite a recipe a. yeah it's why a lot of americans get gorged tradition you would not invent in 2021 <laughs> no or the, the, in america the bulls naturally i feel like gravitate toward americans like, like you smell. idiot yeah, yeah. I'm coming the- for your sternum. <laughs> <laughs> you take this. Here's something to take back with you. A medical Those things bill. come flying. I remember sitting there thinking these things are fucking hauling no, ass. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. By the way, uh, if you're listening to it, go check out the YouTube channel. If you are watching, subscribe. Hit that uh, bell so you know when we go live. This subscribe show is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka, John, so many of you keep sending us pictures, your transfusions, whatever it is that you're making. It's, you kissing the bottle. I don't know. Makes me a little well, it's uneasy. Like a, it's, like, it's like a trophy guy. I know. It's just yeah. maybe one quick kiss. The, the slow, sensual kiss. I, I can do it. <laughs> no, no. Closed lips. No tongue. I think we should do. Listen, if you're listening to this right now, we need to do a blowout. And I mean a blowout for football season. Okay. Right. Obviously the NFL season, but this weekend, Saturday, games galore. I know you're going to be drinking because that's what people do on Saturdays. Take pictures, watching games with your Tito's. Whether you're having Tito soda, uh, transfusion, uh, that's what you made. Whatever you're drinking, I don't care. Uh, John Daly's, straight shots, straight out of the bottle. You just take pictures, tweet them, Instagram out of us. It's a Tito's football weekend. That's what Absolutely. it is. Every weekend it starts now. Starting Thursday yeah, it starts night, Tito's now. Thursday. I know for a fact our listeners 
are going to consume at least several games on Saturday. And I know you guys like your alcoholic beverages, so get your Tito's out. I, somebody sent me a DM the other day that said, uh, Mario, he said, I, I did not know about John Daly's until a month ago, and now it's my favorite alcoholic drink. I said, it's same. I didn't know about it until like a month and a half ago. And I went to the wedding. Everybody was drinking John Daly's. And now it's just... They, 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 I mean, this is somewhat biased because these guys are on board but even if tito's had never come to our it is a pretty incredible alcoholic drink is it not the john I daly mean, don't yeah it, yes. it's you know they say foo-foo drinks or whatever for girls but then you have some of the ones that they drink you're like they are pretty tasty yeah this is like a guy's version because it tastes so inc- you don't taste anything it just tastes like you're drinking the Arnold bottle oh man be ca- be careful people yes be careful that's right drink responsibly <laughs> tito's handmade vodka is America's original craft vodka. In 95, the man himself, John Tito Beveridge, built his own distillery. He started distilling not one, not two, not three, not four, but not five, six times in copper pots. And uh, that's how you get the amazing product that we all know and love. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Have a weekend, people. Have a weekend. Also, uh, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM, and the number one, where right now they will match that deposit up to 100%, although match it 100% up to $1,000 when you make that deposit with the uh, code HAM1. Uh, you can also decline the bonus. If you accept the bonus, you have to bet the full amount because before you can withdraw funds. But either way, use the promo code HAM1 and let them know that we sent you. Yeah, and I, I did sprinkle a little bit. So if you want to be entertained, if either of these guys are in the mix come the weekend, Jordan Spieth and Cam Smith, I think have a pretty good chance. I just put fifty dollars on them to you know, about twenty-five to one. Uh, MyBookie.ag promo code Ham One. Obviously, college football is full go. The NFL guy. I mean, we'll talk about it next week, but we got you know Packers, uh, not Packers, Cowboys, Bucks next Thursday. So a week from recording this, I mean, we're basically. I don't know the, how many hours are in a seven-day work week, but that's we're, that's what we are right now, basically, officially. Seven official days and oh, a yeah. little more as, right. we're, as we're recording this. I hadn't so, quite thought of it that way. You know, college football full go. I, I flipped on TV last night, UAB, which, you know, I mean, it, I actually watched a quarter just because it was like football. It's early. I was like, oh, there's you know, some football. But uh, I love, I absolutely love LSU this weekend. Even I think most people do, which is down. why I like UCLA in the in the points. Do you think UCLA is going to beat LSU? Um, you know, I don't feel like they should. No, but I I also think LSU is. This is not Joe Burrow's LSU team. Now I do no, think not. they're. I also think it's. I'm in a weird spot because I think LSU is almost getting undervalued a little bit because of the way they looked last year. Um, I think in some ways LSU. You know, they LSU had. I think really talent. The LSU stacked on defense, and their defense wasn't good. I think that was Bo. That was the end of Bo Pelini last year, right? Bo Pelini was their defensive coordinator, and I don't know that no one's really. I don't want to cast aspersions here. I'm not. I haven't studied the tape, John, but people don't necessarily talk about Bo as like, you know, a, um, um, the the most flexible modern defensive mind, right? It's not like new. I just wonder if their talent underachieved on defense last year, and if it's going to come well, that- back this year. Well, if you look two years ago, now they had a stacked roster. They had two coaches that one became an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and I think the other guy took the Baylor job. So he lost both of his coordinators. And yeah. let's face it, Eddie O is like uh, like kind of the Cajun Harbaugh. A lot of hooting and hollering. He's not scheme guy, right? A lot of swords, a lot of motivational shit, a lot of like poke the tiger and let everyone roar. 
So he is pretty dependent on his coordinators. But I, I was watching something yesterday of David Pollock talking about their roster. It is stupid, stupid talented. Like people were embarrassed last year for them getting smoked because they had all these NFL guys on defense. And like they should be able to physically outman LSU. Now, obviously their quarterback, beside Joe Burrow historically and like Jamarcus Russell, can always be a question mark. So who knows? Maybe they struggle to score points. But it's just, there's a chance, guy, they have like 10 first-rounders that are playing. You know, not all draft eligible this year, but over the next couple of years, right? Maybe three or four on this team, right, that are juniors, maybe a, three or four that are sophomores, and maybe a couple like true freshmen. I mean, that's the type of talent that this, even though Chip's team, you know better than me, but it feels like his, his most talented team since he's been there, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, but I mean, they got to get better quarterback play. Their quarterback, DTR, was But he's their guy. Last week. Right. Now, by the second half, he actually got in rhythm. He, they got him in rhythm, then they took him out of the game. Is Hawaii terrible? I don't think Hawaii is very good, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Hawaii's got much to offer. And that was a 9 a.m. body clock game for Hawaii. 9.30, True. I guess. True. You know, so, it's a tough transition from the, you know, the islands to L.A. and then back to the islands. It's a tough life. A uh, ton of good games. Penn State, Wisconsin's early on Saturday. Stanford, Kansas State, 9 a.m. also on Saturday. Stanford's got this quarterback, Tanner McKee, who was a top-five quarterback recruit three years ago, went on a mission, came back last year. Uh, Georgia could Clemson. They be good? Could, they, could they be good this year, Stanford? Uh, they could be, but I, th- th- this guy hasn't even won the job outright. They're going to play two quarterbacks. So, um, Georgia Clemson, that was a game you and I talked about the other day. Georgia is just – Georgia's got a ton of pressure on them. They're talking about, like, can Georgia break its 40-year national championship drought? Uh, ton of injuries right now. Ton of injuries. Clemson's only minus three with a quarter. Now, JT Daniels, DJ Uyunglele, Dr. Pepper. Um, Where is that game? Do you know? Clemson's uh, minus three. It must be neutral. I, I thought it was in uh, true home Arthur game? Blank's, Arthur Blank's oh, place. Yeah. Is what oh, that thought. makes sense. So kind of a home or- game for Georgia. That or the Panther Stadium, but like one of those two neutral southern places where they play. Gotcha. Is what I assumed. Anyway. So, you know, I I, I kind of like Clemson there. Minus three. Uh, they've just, their guys have been in these spots so many times. It's in, it's in Charlotte. It's in the Panther Stadium. Okay. If it was in Atlanta, I'd feel a little differently. I like Clemson in that game. Alabama, Miami. How do you feel about Bryce Young? 17 and a half is Alabama's line. Oh, I thought that's how much money he's already made from NIL. 1.75, 17 and a half million. <laughs> I think Alabama fucks him up. Uh, one game that I kind of liked. Just one, one other thought on that. Like Saban, or 19 and a half points. Saban has been running a complete, like, newsflash, but not operation. But they have just, you remember what they looked like last year? Where they just felt like they were ahead of everybody from the start and, and, had a big advantage with Corona and all the guys returning. Never looked back. Yeah, I. They don't have all of that this year, so maybe that's too many points. I don't. I would. I would chill out on that game for me. Nineteen and a half. But who are they play? Oh, the, Miami I, of Florida. But I just is Miami of Florida any good? Well, it's just. Be it's just nine, It's just twenty points with a newish team. That's all. Week one, new coordinator. Billy O'Brien is his coordinator. <laughs> that's. To me, it's going to be – that's pretty cool. Like, I'm into that. I think Sark, sneaky, has some pressure. Just in the sense of first week, right, as the head coach, and you're playing a really good non-Power 5 team. So just, like, listen, 
the majority of UT fans aren't going to like give Louisiana Lafayette any respect. No. And it's just, a, it's did just, you, I'm sorry. Did you say they're a top 25 team? Did you mention that? Well, yeah, yeah, they should be ranked ahead of Texas probably just based on previous couple years, but like it's a nine point line. Like I, I like Lafayette to win this game and to I just win or to cover just, to win. I think Texas loses. See, I think it's easy to forget that Texas, Texas was not that bad last year. Now they lose a lot of guys, uh, or at least I guess they lose their quarterback, but Texas is stat like Texas was not that bad last year. They got fired we'll after their coach. I'm not saying True. they're going to be great. I'm not saying they're a 10-win team, but you don't have to be a 10-win team to win this game. I think Louisiana Lafayette's closer in like Cincinnati and Boise than people realize. Like they're I agree pretty with legit. You. Yeah, and and they're they're an oiled operation right now. I also dabbled a little money on a personal friend who took over. You know, we're not we don't root for anything to happen to another one of our friends, Jim McElwain, who got a raw deal in Florida. Coach in Central Michigan, I think appendix blew, appendix blew up and he had to get rushed to the hospital. I sent Mac a Don't, text. I have not heard he back respond? yet. No, he, he often does. I, I, know he's, I know he checks in on us, but not yet. Don't, don't worry. He has Tim Skipper. Tim Skipper oh. might be the head coach. And if he is, you can get them almost 5-1. to one. Missouri. They're not playing Florida. They're not playing a They're not even playing Kentucky. Missouri? I, I think this is upset city, baby. Central Michigan against Missouri. Tim Skipper, 1-0. Look for him to be the next head coach of the dogs in two years when DeBoer goes back to Indiana or something. If you can find a line on um, uh, ASU Southern Utah, I would find it. Southern Utah, I've never heard of this in my life, John. Did I say this the other day? I probably did, but I'm going to say it again. I've never heard of a team playing week one on a short week. But Southern Utah played on Saturday night against San Jose State, and now they're playing Thursday night at ASU. I have never heard of that in college football. Never Start heard of a, a, a play, smaller school? No. Playing week one on a short week. They played week zero on a Saturday. Week one, they play Thursday night. They're playing a short point, week to start the seat. I've never heard of anybody doing that. 45-point underdog. Their quarterback threw for uh, 117 yards last week. Could be okay. tough. All right. Does Arizona State have any coaches? No, they do. Yeah, they got most of them. Okay, cool. At least for week one. MyBookie.ag, promo code AM1. Get your gamble on, my people. Now, are they going to run it up like they did against Arizona when they scored 70? We'll see. Probably not. Oh, what other game? This is, I don't, I don't know what to make of this game. I think, it's, I think people will tend to bet Nevada on this game. It's just a sneaky, I'm, really I'm good Saturday brought, I'm night. I'm glad you brought this up. Cal, Nevada, Saturday night. I like Cal. I think a lot of people are going to love Nevada for good reason. Carson Strong, their quarterback, is back. Jay Norvell, really good coach. Solid operation. But I think Cal is Cal's just did not have a normal season last year. I think these guys are itching. Bill Musgrave, John, second year as the offensive coordinator. Justin Wilcox, uh, Coin Dang on defense. Chase Garbers, our guy, Cal quarterback. So I like. I think it's three last I looked. Three and a half, maybe. Do you have it in front of you? I was I I stumbled upon Three some uh, some journalist work that said this Nevada quarterback might be like a legit NFL guy. Yeah, people really liked him last year. I think I think he's one of these guys that's quote unquote under the radar, but also like one of those smart football people love talking about Carson Strong. I'm doing air quotes here. It's true, it's legit. But I almost I think there's just a little too much of that right now on them. 
Well, that, that's just, God, that's classic August college football. Like, I, hey, listen, I know everyone is talking about Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, but watch this guy in Nevada, and then four weeks later, no one's talking about him. And I, I'm not rooting for this kid to fail or anything, but the, nothing. At least in the NFL, you've made it there. You've had to establish yourself. Like, they talked to you about you as a breakout guy. In college football, in the months of August, the media... And teams do this a little bit too, so it's not just the outside noise and just the hype around just college sports. Watch for these three guys to be potential first-round picks. Then you watch the draft, and the guy ends up going like the seventh round. You're like, what the fuck happened? Now, this guy, again, I do, I think it's a... I'm not trying to hate. No, no, I know you're not. Actually, I I don't want to overcorrect the other way and say he's not worth talking about, because he is. He was 27 touchdowns, four picks, 70% last year. Like, Nevada should be legit. Nevada was picked to win the Mountain West. Yes, they were. So they're good. Like I don't. This is going to be hard for Cal. I'm just saying. I think there's a little too much on the. Vet. And their co their coach for a long time, I think, was in, with Oklahoma with Bob Stoops in yeah. his heyday. Yeah, they're good. They're Texas. good. Like, they, this guy's been around. This is a, if Cal wins the game, they should get credit because it is a it's losable a good game for Cal. Yeah, I just believe sure. in Justin Wilcox and Cal. N- Nevada's beat them before. Remember a guy named Colin Kaepernick beat Tedford. I do remember twice back to back years. All right, John, let's dive into it. Let's start with this. On Good Morning Football on uh, Thursday morning, Peter Schrager, friend of the show, noted host of uh, the, the State of the Empire, or what, what the, the, the offseason Niners uh, rally. <laughs> I think you got it right. Yeah. Said about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, quote, why even waste time with Jimmy? This is what Kyle wants to do. Rip the Band-Aid off. Let's go with Trey Lance. Well, I don't think – I think he represents what a lot of people think. Here's the problem, though. As we currently have this conversation, there you'd have to legitimately rip a Band-Aid off, a.k.a. a cast that he has on his hand right now. So, like, this was a conversation that you and I literally had for months, and then even once camp started, up until about last week when it became kind of evident that Jimmy was going to – he can't. The guy can't take snaps right now. I think the number one question I have for week one is, is this guy going to be available? Because I think that much, I, last night they clearly had some sort of dinner at the stadium where, you know, it's not boosters, but clearly like high money people are, are, are invited. I saw a picture of like the, the tables from like the, the point of view where the players are. It's like, yeah, there's probably some techies in there that are, you know have uh, large bank accounts because there weren't. Guy, it was like just in the red zone. It wasn't tables of the whole field. It was yeah. just red zone to the deal. You're like, oh, yeah, this is, you got to be a high-priced guy to get this invite. You know, and a Access player, is never free. Access is never free. And the players that were there, it was not just like, oh, let's just roll a couple practice squatters. Yeah. It was Trent, Kittle. I was like, okay, this matters. It wasn't the community right? football field dedication. It might have been their five biggest sweet holders or something, right? I mean, it was. it, it felt like that. He had a cast. I mean, he was there. He had a cast on his hand. So to me, like we talked about it a couple days ago, I, I think it's fair to say there are some question mark just as a human with a major, major strong, but with a, with an injury, any injury that requires you have a cast is not just, oh, it's nothing, right? I'm past that. It's nothing. It's something. Now, how big of a something we're going to find out, but I, I think him practicing next week, Probably the number one story we're going to look for moving forward, right? Yeah, and and of course it's something because, like you said, it can't possibly be nothing because it is something. But also, it's the something is it's a finger on his throwing hand. 
So index, index. I don't. I'm not exactly sure. I got to study the tape to see John Howie. Just hold it in the back, but um, that's absolutely something. It, especially because, like right now, when you when we talk about Trey Lance playing a football game, there's a lot of unknowns. How his chipped finger feels is just one of the unknowns. But there's a lot of factors, and anything that throws him off a little bit. You know, I guess with rookies, this you, you kind of look at it this way. A small thing can be a bigger thing, whether it's a defender flashing in front of them or an injury. We just don't know how he's going to react in a, a myriad of situations. So it's just an unknown. If I had 10 years of this guy being hurt but playing and starting and s- still throwing the football and whatever, finding ways, quote-unquote, then maybe we'd look at it a little differently. We think he's tough. We you got to be tough to play the sport, blah, 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 blah. But this is not, and the other thing is every body is different. So there's no way to say, well, I had a chip finger, so X, or I have a sprained ACL, so that's how it's going to affect this particular person. I don't know where exactly it hurts him when he throws. I don't know how much it hurts him when he throws. I don't know if it throbs in, but we just, it's, we don't know what it is, but we know it's something. Fact. And, well, we the, and here's the other thing. John, it's not like John Lynch came out and said, he'll be ready to roll by Monday. He said, I hope. He's got some swelling. It's down. We hope he's ready to go Monday. But, you know, maybe Monday roll around and he'll be fine and we'll look back and go it was nothing. But in the moment, we don't know. Here's the other element, too. And you would think about this with a quarterback because they get sacked and they get tackled. He's a runner. So when he's running, like, you fall on your hand, right? I, I know you'd be carrying the ball, but, like, the way you fall, people are hitting you. It's I think you have to factor that in as well, right? Because if someone hits it and then it really breaks – Obviously, you could break your finger at any moment playing the sport of football, but if it is compromised, it's something that it's just, I I, I think you 100% have to lean cautious, and you're just going to need his, you didn't just draft it to like risk anything. So I, where I sit right now, I'd say 50-50 he even plays. The um to, to that point though I, I think you're right on the running because I Fresno State Cal Poly education when he was injured the other day you said um I said no well, I, I was like he can just run the ball and you're like well he's supposed to take the snaps when what you just said it's one thing to throw but when you're running and you're falling that's an interesting situation because what Doug Christie I remember years ago t- told me was the second you get an injury and you try to play through it now you're at risk of hurting something in all likelihood if on the in the other side of your body so you hurt your right hip. You play hurt. Now your left hip is at risk or your left knee is at risk or your left ankle is at risk because you're going to try. Your body's going to try and compensate. Right. So if it's bad enough that you're falling and he's thinking about it and instead of catching himself with that hand, he tries to protect the finger and falls on a shoulder instead. Right now, that's at risk. Now, can if, if he's good enough to throw the football, you'll take that risk. You'll play him because if he's good enough to throw the football, then hopefully he's not thinking about the finger. But yeah, there, there's a chance that it is all or nothing. Right. Like. To me, he either plays as much as Kyle is planning to play him week one, or he doesn't play at all. There's not an in-between here. There's not, I, I was going to play him 15 snaps. Now we'll give him three plays that, you know, are going to, it'll be shotguns where he only carries. Like, I, Compl- you can't do that. Com- I, I completely agree. There's no dipping your toe in the water with him. If the reason you have to hesitate is because of this finger, which clearly would be the reason, right? Which would mean that practice... Like, I would say the moment we find out the practice report comes out, uh, whenever the the NFL, which is the only sport that legally mandates it, and it's why they're running circles around everyone gambling. Obviously, it's actually not. They just, it's easier to gamble on football than it is the other sports. But it is something that, like, the other sports, golf included, 
Like you can't have Colin Morikawa be your fourth biggest favorite a couple weeks ago, and then he comes out after the first day when he shoots like three over and be like, yeah, I've had back problems. It's like, well, you guys are going to do these big deals with gambling stuff. Like there has to be some sort of transparency with injuries. And the NFL has been doing it forever. They have an injury. Patriots haven't been always participating, but yeah. No, they haven't. But for the most part, everyone. Or maybe that was just Brady. That was just Tom. But they've been shady. And teams are shady, but once something's out, it's impossible to be shady about. Right? Like a lot of people do it to hide stuff. This is not hidden. So it's if he if he's limited in practice come Monday, I think it's fair to say, like, okay, this is in doubt. Which would suck. But also, from a 49er standpoint, they are lucky that the, their opponent, it's kind of irrelevant. It's not irrelevant because you always want the looks and the, the reps for the young player. But if you had to have him miss a game yeah. on your schedule, this is probably the one you'd circle. I agree, but that's where I'll stop agreeing that it's – that you're right, it's the easiest one to miss. But I go back to what I said after the second preseason game. It's just so critical for this guy to play and get experience. And so if you're going to use him in a critical spot against the Eagles on the road, then it matters if he hasn't been in a – it matters if he didn't play at Detroit. Uh, no, I, 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 that's fair. And plus, like, let's just go big picture. Your first game of his career, he's not healthy enough to play. Like, it's not nothing. It's just not. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I – um, now, Nate, so we talked the other day before they, they made their cuts. What happens with Nate Sudfeld? And does that tell us anything? So he's on the practice squad. Probably if Trey Lance is healthy, Nate Sudfeld might be on their practice squad anyway, right? We, I thought yes. initially several weeks ago they yeah, were going to go he, with he would he would have. Because you need someone to run the scout team. It became clear that three was going to be the way they were going to do it. So that doesn't – We I'm just following up. We wondered if that would be a factor or if that would give us any information. It really didn't. Um, yeah. But we'll – you know. And the other thing is you'll find out. Like they can say whatever they say about him. Is he practicing? Right. Is he taking snaps? Is he handing the ball off? Is he throwing next week? Whatever they tell us his condition is, what's he doing in practice? Because, again, practice for this guy matters. Yep. Actions, not words, guy. For this this guy needs practice, right? If he was a seven-year vet, it doesn't tell. If he was a – hell, if this was week 17 and he'd played 16 weeks, it wouldn't necessarily tell us something, right? Be like, all right, he doesn't need to practice, whatever. But they want him to practice right now. Jimmy could miss some practice time. Yes. So Schrager, I mean, I, I think a lot of people probably. I, I the question you always have with Schrager too is, does Peter? Hey, Peter, man, did what does Peter know? Who's Peter talking to? Right? Because Peter's not Peter's not pull it out of his ass guy. No. So is he talking to somebody who feels that way around the Niners building? Or you know? Yeah, I just I, he also to me to make that. Yeah, to me, to make that statement, though, when the guy's got a cast on his finger, it's just, it's a little complicated. I, I think that statement, if he's fully healthy, it's like, it's, maybe it's Peter, there's a variable here. Maybe You can't Peter, start him with a fucking cast on his hand. What I would say to Peter is, Peter, do you know that they're really confident that he's going to be 100% by next week? Is that why you're saying this? Maybe, maybe how, Peter got a text. How, how, how could they possibly be confident when he's got something on his hand? That'd be my thing. Well, yeah, I'm just, that's, that would be, did somebody say to him, now nah, we feel pretty good. He'll be ready to roll by Monday or Tuesday. But I, it's not, to your point, it's not the way you'd want to lead up to your first career start, which again, is out the window at this point. Yeah. It would be the shocker of week one if Trey Lance started the football game. Now, what if he starts a series and then like, it's like he started quote unquote, but he wasn't the starting quarterback. 
You couldn't do that to Jimmy, right? Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be the first quarterback out there. I feel pretty confident about that right now. I just want. I just started thinking: Is there just a second? Is there a scenario where Kyle puts him on the field with the first offensive package to throw everything off, but doesn't act? He's not actually the main quarterback of the football game. Would Kyle I would dare be, do that? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think that. Happens. I don't think so either. Um. But I do think what Schrager is saying sooner, the second that the second that finger is healthy and we see that it's healthy, then that's a real conversation again. But this is on pause until that's the case. Well, it's been a real it, it's it's it is a real conversation, right? That's why I said but again. It's, his, it's a real conversation again. Yeah. I know, but like for him to say ripped a bit, like it's not possible right now. All right, John. Uh, another piece of news that's been uh, it's a big part of the 49ers discussion is what do you do with Brandon Ayuk? A lot of people have had a lot of opinions on what to do with Brandon Ayuk as a punt returner. We talked about it on the last show. Is he the guy? It's been a discussion for, I think, several weeks. He is dynamic. He was a dynamic punt returner in college. Uh, His last year at Arizona State, he averaged 16 yards per punt return, albeit only on 14 punt returns. And uh, I tweeted at Paul D. Podesta, who's had an inactive Twitter account for the last three years, to ask him if they've done a study on the likelihood that a player gets injured more when on punt return. No reply yet, John, but we'll, uh, we'll wait. We'll wait. When you, when you say inactive, you mean deactivated or he just doesn't tweet. Hasn't tweeted in uh, three years. God, it's fucking incredible. Well, I'm jealous. I couldn't believe Paul DePodesta was on Twitter. He had a key, you want to keep a pulse on everything. I think Sam Hinkie's on Twitter. Last, his last tweet was like, congrats to the, uh, you know, Henderson Mudcats on their affiliation <laughs> with, with the Reds or something like that. <laughs> but where do you fall on Ayuk, punt returner? I actually had this thought last night. I uh, listened to a little bit of like uh, Kawakami, Barrows, and Lombardi did a little podcast. That's a good show. Yeah, and they were talking about just some different roster stuff. You know, they get kind of nerdy on it. And it was like, a, you know, it's a good little uh, refresher for my ears who just, I like playing the hits. And uh, so, so we do. And they were kind of just talking just some in-depth, like the punt returner was a big point of discussion. And I just had the thought like, you you can't fucking play scared. Everything's about being so terrified. And and I get like that too with during training camp and don't play anybody. I I just don't know if you can just think like that 24 seven. Someone sent me a a video of Deion Sanders, (laughs) John Dickinson. I Uh, watched it last night too. I was about to bring it up. (laughs) Benito Santiago. And he's on first base, right? And he steals, he gets caught. And he was leading the baseball in steals. And I was just thinking, like, can you imagine right now if, like, Jalen Ramsey was just leading Major League Baseball in steals? Like, and honestly, Dion was even better, obviously way better than Jalen Ramsey. But, like, just think, try to think about that. And this guy was by far probably immediately the best corner in the league, or at least really quick with by year two. He was by far the best punt returner in the league. No one back then... I would say really the last decade, it's been like, you got to take them off. Like, you just put your best fucking players. You don't make, it's not high school. You don't make them go, you know, like both ways, even though Dion played some offense. But like, if the guy has a core role on special teams, when my second year in Philly, when I, I was uh, advanced scouting Harbaugh, do you know who he had on punt? Navarro Bowman played punt. Navarro Bowman. Yep. Chased kicks. That was the mindset. And they had all their starters. Barrows meant... One thing Barrows mentioned, he's like, that first Harbaugh season, a major point of difference. They were not very good on offense. They had a good run game, but they had no passing game. It was defense and special teams. 
So, like, can Patrick Peterson, let's just think recently. Patrick Peterson, Honey Badger when he first got to Arizona. I, Deshaun Jackson, Tyree Kill, they throw him back there sometimes. Odell Beckham, the first three or four years in New York. Like, I, if he's one of your best players, and he clearly is, he's by far your most dynamic returner, just talent-wise. I, I think you do it. Now, it's, it's risky, and don't get me wrong, like, you're kind of holding your breath, but... Do we hold our breasts way too much? Like, I, so all I my friends and our parents freak I, out. Like, you know, you can't, you got to walk your kid over there. When I was a kid, we just walked across the street by ourselves. Yeah. So you know? I, I agree that that's true. I agree that sometimes we, we do play too afraid and that we do hold our breath too much. But I don't know that that means that Brandon Ayuk should be on punt return. I tend to believe he should be, but I'll take the other side of this conversation because I do think there are two. I do think it's, I do think you can reasonably argue that he should not be. Because my thought, I had the same thought, not about Jalen Ramsey, but just watching Dion last night. But the other thought I had watching this clip, and you should, you could, it's called, uh, it's like five minutes on YouTube. It's called Dion Sanders plays cat and mouse with Benito Santiago. That clip ends with Benito Santiago outsmarting Dion, calling a pitch out and throwing him out at second base. Dion got thrown out a league high 16 times that year trying to steal. Now he stole 38. So you still 70% success rate. But I looked it up is last that, night. Is that, good? is that good? It's pretty good, especially in that day. I think now probably it's probably a little higher now. I don't know. but Because you wouldn't be stealing as much, right? People don't steal. People don't steal. But, and you hit more home runs now. Although 94 guys were hitting home runs too, right? Um, but I did watch that clip and I thought, is Dion stealing second? Because that's the best thing for his team right now. Or is Dion trying to steal second because he wants to steal a bag on Benito Santiago? It was awesome. Did you notice who the pitcher was, by the way? No. Mark Gardner? I was watching on Moot. No shit. For, former Bulldog, former Giant. Fresno Zone. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that I had that thought watching this. Is like, is Dion doing... Now, that Dion did it to everybody. And they, they throw over and they throw over and they throw over. And it was really cool. But in the end, was it worth it? Is it worth it when you're if you're going to get thrown out 16 times to steal 38? I think the answer is probably yes on that. But in that particular, I don't remember it outs, whatever. And like Brandon Ayuk, what you're talking, what we're talking about here is probably 25 returns over the course of a season, maybe 20, right? If you made him your full-time punt returner. Because you could also do the thing where you just sprinkle him. But let's just say you're, you're looking, the, the guy that I think the league high punt returns last year in 2020 was 30. That was the high in, in Indy. That was doesn't, the most. Doesn't it seem crazy. Doesn't it feel like. People punt more. I guess people rotate their punt returners. You kick punts yeah, out of bounds. Well. You fair catch. I would have guessed like eight, I would have guessed like eighty returns. But you're right. Number one in the league was thirty punt returns last year, and I think you're looking at again. He was 16 in college. I went and looked. Deshaun Jackson as a rookie had 50 nine returns? yards per return. Nine yards per return. His second year they stopped kicking in half. His second year Deshaun was 29 returns, 15 yards per return. Deshaun was incredible that year, by the way. That was one. I would say one major difference. I would say for Beckham, Honey Badger, and Deshaun, probably different than Ayuk is like they were elite at the punt return. Like Deshaun, that was a major thing he hung his hat on to be an elite player. Same with the Honey Badger. Same Patrick Peterson did it at LSU. Like they were easily Dante Pettis when he was coming out, even though he never did in the pros. Like. That was a point of differentiation when I'm scouting him. Like, this guy could be a Pro Bowl returner. Yeah. All those guys were listening. Brandon Ayuk doesn't get talked about like that. He's more by default, right? If he was on a team with Deshaun Jackson, you wouldn't be like, 
it, uh, not now, but Deshaun when he was younger, you wouldn't flip a coin. Like, let's split these two guys. Deshaun would just do it, right? Right, but Deshaun's an outlier, right? Maybe we should be talking about Brandon Ayuk that way, based on 16 yards per return his last year at Arizona State, right? Yeah, maybe he could be really good, but I'm just saying, like, I, I don't think when people were scouting him, maybe they did. Maybe I'm underselling him. I didn't watch his special teams tape at Arizona State. So maybe he maybe he is a gem at that. Maybe they think he could be a different, diff, you know, a... Uh, like a, a separating factor for them that could be, you know, three or four times a year. Maybe he has 40, 50 yard returns, and right? That, Huge flip, flip field position. So you nailed it. That's what we're talking about here. I think this the case to make him your punt returner is stronger than the case to not make him your punt returner. But what we're talking about here is like give or take 25 returns and give or take, you know, 12, maybe if it's going really well, 15 yards per return, maybe it's nine. So if you're getting 15 yards once a game out of nowhere because Brandon Ayuk's back there, that's great. But is Brandon Ayuk getting 15 yards when your other guy would have got zero or is he getting 15 yards where your other guy would have got seven? Well, they don't have another guy. That's well, part of the problem. I mean, like, part of this is you you just make another guy out of thin air, right? You find Yeah, you could, go, you could go acquire a guy. That to me is the question. So, is it worth acquiring someone who can just do the role – Probably at this point in time, average to below or take a guy that has a huge high upside, but he's your best receiver. My issue is not that he might get, we talked about this a lot the other day and I realized in retrospect, we didn't address one part of it. It's not that he's going to get blasted while he's standing back there waiting on a fair catch. It's that Brandon Ayuk has a very small history to work with, but some soft tissue issues to this point. We don't have five years of data, right? Just a, well, he's, inju- he's injured right now. A hamstring pops up or a groin pops mm-hmm. up. To me, it's more about that. Now, I thought David Lombardi made a great point on Twitter. He's like, if you're going to run him on end of rounds and you're going to throw slants, like you're putting him harm's way in those situations, probably more so. Right? And it's true. It's it's absolutely true. Um, but, you know. Well, it's, I th- like, it's like I said, there's no defenseless receiver. I mean, technically, it's a, it's a rule, but you know there are defenders out there. The difference with punt you are not really looking at the people coming, right? And you really have no clue. That's why they put in the halo deal, right? Because yeah. it's just, it's an, you're running as a wide receiver, ultimately, right? You can move, you're, you're, you're stagnant as a punt returner. I, I, I don't even think we properly give those guys enough respect. Like, it's crazy as a kick returner, but you do have blockers and you get to running start as a punt returner. Your feet are fucking not moving and multiple guys, I would say the average gunner speed now in the league is probably four, four, five. So if either one of those two guys do not get shoved into the cooler and they beat the double team, I guess sometimes there's only one double team on the side, depending, but if you could get killed. Yeah. Even if that guy's not that tough of a guy, he's just speed in the body. We, I mean, every year, guy in college in the pros, we see hellacious collisions on that play. Hellacious. Look, I, this is why I'm saying I, I think, I think your initial point of view is is accurate. Like it's full. Well, you go, wow. But, you know? <laughs> but I, I understand, I understand not wanting to do it. And I, I yes, ten yards is important. Fifteen is important. Sometimes you're gonna get forty five. Maybe you'll get a touchdown out of it. Maybe you won't. Right. Well, I think not a lot of touchdowns get scored on punt return. Well, one thing Barrows mentioned, and he's right. He's Last like, year, well, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns in the NFL scored on punt return. They have not been very good in the return game with Kyle Shanahan. And especially the last couple of years. And I'll defend it this. 
like, listen, I, I'm a, I like, I do value special teams. I understand it. But if I had to choose, like, it's the third, right? I want to be awesome on offense, awesome on defense. I want to be great in all phases, but especially the other two. <laughs> yeah. So it's Until like you're sometimes in a close game and your kicker stinks. I, I think ultimately what Barrows was saying, and he's right, is like they just lean offense defense over worrying about the returner, and that's why they're at this spot right now. Like if you truly like John Harbaugh's teams would have just factored in and maybe kept a Webster, right? Like they always had because he's a special teams guy at heart. That's just who he is to his core. Belichick, like there's a chance that a Matt Slater type, who I swear to God is going to have the, the same length of a career Brady had, but if his you know he's going to have 20 years on is the. He's going to end up as like the third longest tenured NFL player ever <laughs> behind Brady and Fred it's, Gore. It, it's it's not crazy to think about. I just a lot of teams. There's no chance on God's green earth that he would make it on a lot of teams. He just wouldn't. I mean, at, at Belichick's core, like oh, he's kind of a nerd for that shit. And I, I just, I understand it, but I, I do think you're playing with fire a little bit. But I, I sometimes need to remove myself from that line of thinking and be like, you can't just be a pussy and absolutely everything you need to do. Sometimes you just got to roll. You know, because that's how that's what good players do. They just play. There's good no players doubt. play. Yeah, there's no doubt. I just wonder is how much my and it's hard to know this. Like, what is the expected gain? What is the expected gain? And the expected gain. Well, I think he's dramatically be better than every. I think he was dramatically better than everyone they had on their like the 90 man roster. Like it was clear he was by far. They, those guys weren't good enough to just get kept for that alone. Right. Like right. Web, but, but what I'm know, saying I is not Web's the gain over the replacement. Just what is. Is twice getting two 40-yard punts worth it? It might be if those two punt returns happen in big games, right? It might be. Well, it might be could, the field position that changes the game. Could Richie James have just done both, right, if he's healthy? Do they just keep him just to be a punt returner and no. kick returner? I don't know. The problem is he's just the significant drop-off between what he showed and the other receivers they kept. Yeah, like the other receivers. That's the thing with like Jawan Jennings and Hurd. They make sense to keep on the team just because both of them you're basically just hoping one of them hits out of the two of them. That's the way I think they're looking at it. And they were just probably nervous cutting them. Who knows? They didn't and, want to fuck with it. And I get it. But do either one of those guys have value on special teams? We know they're not returners, but I'm just talking like they're not fast enough to cover kicks. Yeah. And it's hard on a roster that we've saw. We'll talk about it. You just, you had no wiggle room with their roster. They had too many guys, which is a good Ro- roster building. Roster building is not easy. You know, I think a lot of fans. Myself included can get very critical on moves. It's not, it's difficult. Well, especially when you factor in the special teams, which you have to do. Because somebody has to come. It's dramatically easier coming out of a training camp. I would say like in the NBA, right? Like you're basically choosing one individual. Like, should we keep this guy or this guy? To do what? I'll be the 14th guy. He's not going to play. (laughs) So it's, it's pretty cake. John, Even let's baseball. Talk- How many guys in a, in a baseball spring training truly are fighting for a roster spot? A couple for a twenty five man. Even then, I'll, you probably get to keep a, most of them. You send them to AAA. Yeah, and then those guys end up coming up anyway throughout the season. John, let's tell the people about our friends at DraftKings promo code Ham. Download the app. Use the promo code Ham right now. We've got a game going in the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League. It is a golf event. It is as big as it gets. It's a great time. Get in the league now, even if you're not in that event, because then you'll get the invite when it all starts next week. Our NFL games are going to be awesome. Here's the key, guy. Here is the key. You download the app. 
Go to the App Store, download the DraftKings app, then use the promo code. I had someone DM me. Like, I'm looking for the promo code. I'm in your guys' games every week. You got to do it when you download the app. That's when when you first sign up. Yeah, when you first sign up to be part of DraftKings. Once you're in it, there's not like a promo code every week to get in our games. Like, you're just, you're part of it. And then, like I said, if you're playing on a golf game, you're already on the list, you'll naturally be added once we start doing football next week. And I think the question is going to be, do we do we factor in Thursday night games or we just do Sunday? You know, I don't know. We'll have to kind of talk through this yeah. next week. Give us your feedback. My inclination right now is to only include Sundays. Yeah, I think just Sundays, especially early on the season when there are a bunch of Sunday games and no buys, there's just a lot going on. It's... I'd say the first two or three weeks, it's easy to go Sunday only. Yeah, and you don't. Have to, I don't like a guy like Brady throws four touchdowns. He's in the lead. Then you're waiting on it. You know, right, so. right. or your quarterback plays Thursday and stinks, and now your Sunday Sunday's out for you. I know you like exactly. You take Dak Prescott, shoulder hurts, and he only plays one quarter. You know, it's just, it can be a killer. So uh, download the DraftKings app. Promo code Dan. They got the uh, new instant win challenge from DraftKings, wild cards. When you download the app, you claim your first wild card for free when you use that code HAM. Up to $50 million in prizes up for grabs with one in four winning instantly. It's very easy to do, as John said. $50 million of prizes uh, up for grabs. No better way to start gearing up for the NFL season. The official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details podcast also brought to you by our friends at butcherbox.com slash ham where right now when you get your first box you get three pounds of chicken breast two pounds of burgers and one pound of hot dogs for the price of free could you repeat that one more time but john you get three pounds of chicken breast okay that's 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 a lot of leg day you can fuel with three pounds of chicken breast and two pounds of burgers and one pack of hot dogs for free for free when you sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham right now guy once you're signed up you choose your box and delivery frequency they offer five boxes four curated box options as well as popular custom box so you get exactly what you you and your family love butcher box ships your order frozen at peak freshness and packed in eco-friendly 100 recyclable boxes you enjoy great tasting. I know you had. Did you have your uh, your meat this week? You so guys have so your taco we salad? had Taco Tuesday, Taco Salad. The Trader Joe's Doritos crumbled up. I went to take a photo of it. I took the photo and I just realized ground beef just doesn't photograph well. Yeah. It, it, so uh, I didn't post it. Well, you should have taken a you should have taken a post of just the salad, the salad you know? or the pack of meat before it went in. Maybe that's, that's about. The ground beef, it just it doesn't photograph great, but it tastes amazing in a pan. I, yeah. I I'm with you. It was good. It was, it so was good. good. Yeah. yeah. So just, just some on, chop up. So some Haberman onions. just had taco that, salads. Like, uh, taco sauce. You can just spray it on there. Or taco seasoning. Oh, oh. So easy. ButcherBox wants you to enjoy the summer. Like I said, with the special deal ButcherBox has given you, our listeners, three pounds of chicken, two pounds of burgers, one pack of hot dogs for free. Right now, new members get this special deal when they sign up at ButcherBox.com slash ham. That's ButcherBox.com slash ham. Free chicken, free burgers, and free doggies. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass fed beef free-range organic chicken, 
pork raised, crate free, and wild caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The uh, 49ers made a trade the other day before the 53-man cutdown, and uh, they traded Jonas Griffith to the uh, Niners, uh, to the Broncos. And that day, we talked about the fact that the night before, somebody had reached out to you in the league and asked what they what you thought about Jonas, Jonas Griffith, the scout. And uh, he actually he actually just said the backup linebackers in general, because I oh. asked, I said, well, which ones? He's like, well, I think they got several that are 53-man type guys. Well, it turns out he so was there. right. How about that? The Niners had five play, uh, three players, excuse me, claimed, um, which I I believe led the league. Most players claimed in the NFL. Him, I, I would actually, he got I traded. would actually look at it like four. Justin Hilliard got because claimed. Simba Webster got claimed. Dakota Shepley, the offensive lineman. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you you can technically look at it like they had four, right? Because one was traded. They're basically acknowledging the Broncos are. This guy's not going to make it to us on the waiver claim. Yeah. We think this guy's going to get. You know, or or we're not going to risk it missing out on a claim. Not worth the so risk. So we are going to trade. So when you see these guys that get traded, you're like, wait, what, who's this? Who would my team just get for a sixth or seventh round pick? That team is basically acknowledging we would claim this guy, but I don't even want to worry about the risk of getting the waiver wire and the Jags claimed him or the Lions claimed him. Right? I will just trade you. It shows you what they truly. No, I, I think it's. It's not really a knock on a six-round pick. A six-round pick to me is worthy to trade you right now of a guy that can make my 53 week one. Was there like a kind of the value round swap in that trade too, I think? Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's like, you know, if the guy's a starter or conditional, can turn up to a fifth. If he's not a seventh, I, I'm not saying the Niners exactly, but I saw some different type guys like that get traded. Some swaps, some six, seven, some teams like I give you a fifth. I give you the player in my seventh. So every player is a little different, I would imagine. But he was right. And I, I actually think this speaks to, I was, uh, I saw some quotes that Lynch had. He talked to the media yesterday and he just said he thinks his team's pretty good, you know, and you never know right until they actually play, but he feels pretty confident. And when I got that text, I was like, that's a good thing, man. And this is before like I, where you and I sit, unless you watch, and this is, it's why I don't like the preseason because you have to watch 8 million Hilliards. But 
that, like once like my buddy was fired up on him. He thought he he thought Griffith was really good. He's like that's the guy I would have wanted for us. And so it is exciting because you watch a lot of guys that are these names, right? These undrafted free agents on teams. Most of them go unclaimed and they just go practice squad. But, you know, however many guys get claimed or traded, let's say it's 30 or 40, those are the players that like get buzz in the league. Like, damn, this guy, this is a good find, undrafted free agent. You get credit for that. Like you get credit for Hilliard being an undrafted free agent and flipping them for a pick, right? You get credit for having guys that get claimed. That's a positive. I remember in the peak of Harbaugh, probably going into year three, I think they had like seven players claimed. Because I remember John Dorsey, and when Andy got that job, hires John Dorsey as GM, remember the Chiefs had the number one overall pick the year before. They ended up taking Eric Fisher, but they were bad. So they were number one in the waiver wire. They claimed like seven guys that first year. And they ended up making the playoffs. They went from like the number one overall pick to a playoff team because they traded for Alex and had Andy. But like you can... What, to me, once you're past like the fifth spot in the waiver claim, if you like a guy, if you really like him, it's probably worth just trading a six-round pick for the guy because you just can't risk, unless you feel pretty confident the guy's not going to get claimed like a wide receiver. But these linebackers and linemen and DBs, like if they were clearly balling in camp, they just get they get acquired. But you get credit, like every team, like even bad teams can have a player that gets acquired. If you got like three or four, it's like, fuck, you got a pretty good roster. It also shows, like, did you keep the right guys? Like, they, the other backup linebackers over Hilliard and Griffith, you know, their starters are clearly the starters, but, like, did you keep the right backups? And you don't really know. No, until- I mean, it's it's the it's the um, DJ Reed situation, right? It's Caden Smith. That, that was a pick they nailed, because if you're six-rounders playing in the league contributing for somebody, then you nailed the pick. Like, and he's and he's an NFL contributor now for the New York Giants, right? That was a six round pick. Like yeah. they've done this consistently now. We'll see. This is the part with John Lynch when a did got, they draft better later? Yeah, I mean, it's such Elijah a testament. Mitchell made the team. You know, J- Marcel Harris, DJ Reed were fifth and sixth rounders. Richie James, say what you want, seventh rounder. DJ Jones was a sixth rounder. Um, Adrian Colbert was a seventh rounder. I mean, if you to me, don't, if they, you, don't they have a tight end on their team that was like fifth? Uh, uh, oh, you're thinking? Are you thinking of like Charlie Warner? Maybe he was a sixth rounder. Gentleman. No, I think there he's, another he got tight some, end. Uh, ad, ads with sunglasses, I think, and just reading bifocals. Jenny, huh. I think I'll have to do some research on them if they have a fifth round tight end. But <laughs> it's it is such a credit to the scouts, right? To the front office, to John. Lynch. It's when you when a guy comes out with John Lynch's background to become a GM of a team. The, one of the things you ask yourself is like, does this person? Anyone can have an opinion on the first five picks in the draft, right? Like John Lynch could go do if they if they had called John Lynch while he was doing games for Fox. I'm like John, come come do the NFL draft coverage for us. The first question naturally would be well, the first round or all seven, right? Yeah. That's what part of that's part of what made Mayock so fascinating on the draft. Be like this guy like wants to know what's going on in the seventh. It's why people thought Mayock could be an NFL evaluator because the grind. What well, felt like he liked talking about fifth rounders more than second rounders. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I mean it's this this is becoming we'll see, but it is becoming part of the signature of this front office. Does Hufanga end up like playing a ton this year for them? He was a fifth rounder. What's Elijah Mitchell? Well, guy, he might be the he might be the starting strong safety. The here's what I, the Broncos had a sixth round pick. He didn't make their team. I would I would say this about Hufanga. 
if Hufanga starts for the 49ers week one, that means he won the starting job. Now, part of it would be a little injury-related, right? Tart missed the entire... I don't think Hufanga starts if Tart's fully healthy from the jump, right? He just he might, he would have made the team, but he had some variables on his plate. That, to me, is a pretty good scout, like just from an organizational standpoint. He did not play safety. He played linebacker. So when you, when you see Teddy Bruschi... And you go, oh, Teddy Bruschi is one of the great linebackers in Patriot history. He was like a defensive tackle in college. Like, when, when you project Mayock, I posted something on Instagram with Nate Hobbs, who was an outside corner. He's their nickel now. It's a projection. That, to me, is when you get, like, a reach around from the scouting community. Like, ah, that's, that was impressive. Right? Like, when you do Taysom Hill and turn him into, like, a player, like, that, that type of stuff, it's easier to be like, well, you draft fucking Panay Sewell, he plays tackle. You draft, you know, Brandon Ayuki plays wide receiver. Can you take a linebacker and turn him into a safety? Right? Can you, can you, and that's what makes football, basketball doesn't exist because you all kind of, you know, I guess there are, it's kind of become positionless. In baseball, can you just like take an outfielder and teach him how to play catcher or to guy catcher and make him a pitcher? Like, that's incredible, right? What Josh Donaldson became was a catcher, then became a third baseman. Hufunga becomes a, a starting safety in the league for several years. That's pretty unreal. Because I would, I would imagine most people thought he had no position. Given his draft position, if he's a just a solid backup for the next four years for you, that's pretty unreal. Fifth round pick, and if you and, and we yeah, know this, special teams making he, tackles, he is bound. You, if you're in that position, you're bound to start football games, right? It doesn't have to be a 17 week starter, 17 game starter. If he's just the backup safety, he's going to start. I guarantee. If he's their backup safety this year, he starts six games. Well, yeah, because anytime that you get a fifth, sixth, or seventh rounder starting or playing for your team, you have to realize a lot of teams in the league did not think that guy was worthy of a draft pick, right? Or didn't value that player. Because if they did, he wouldn't have lasted that long. I would say definitely sixth and seventh rounders, right? You can say fifth. That's still like, there's still a lot going on. Yeah, it does but once feel you get like the sixth or seventh round, you know, if I get a sixth or seventh, like Richie James in the seventh, right? That's just really incredible. Like I think Hunter Renfro, guys like that, right? In the fifth. Uh, Hufanga, like there are people in the NFL, I'm sure in every building that like guys like that. Cause if you watch USC and I feel like I've fucking watched for a team that doesn't win that much, it's like, God, I consume a lot of their content. That guy made plays for years, right? 15. He was their big hitter, made tackles. That guy was just making Hunter Renfro. You watch, but these guys, like they have a fatal flaw. You go, he's too slow. He's too small. Hufanga. It's like, he's not fast enough. What position? All it takes is truly one team to like when you take a guy in the fifth round, but deep down you're like, ah, well, that was one of my favorite picks. I think this guy's going to be a player. Right? Well, how many teams had a take on Justin Hilliard? Every single one of them. Why? Because he spent six years at Ohio State. Okay. Now you used to tell me you'd go into a school and you wouldn't really write a guy up until he was draft eligible. Well, he played three years at Ohio State after becoming draft eligible. So he had four years. <laughs> he had four years that you would have scouted him. His redshirt sophomore year, which was his third year, he was eligible to be drafted, played 11 games that year. Then his redshirt junior year, then his senior year, then another senior year. So who's everyone goes to Ohio State, right? He played <laughs> with a any million good players, players over that top? Like this guy didn't, wasn't that some nobody out of nowhere, right? That I would say that happens. That guy to me... I mean, all the guys I listed are at big schools, right? So it's, 
it's a little different. Like, you're like, how'd you find Hufunga? You mean he's at USC, right? Or uh, Renfro? You mean when I, was, when I was writing up the 17 other players for Clemson? Yeah. It, it, it's a, oh, I watched find, the national championship game. <laughs> I would say it's pretty incredible. Like, there's even a, a level of, like, if you find a Hufunga, a Renfro from, like, a non-Power 5, like, that's just like, damn, that's a good pick, right? I'm, and it's not a bad pick when you find those guys, but... When they are at major programs, like how many fucking I, how many evaluations on Hufunga were there? Like every team in the league at five or six people wrote him up on every team, right? <laughs> he just he's unavoidable. Now they picked them. I'm not I'm not trying to diminish the pick, but overall they they are doing they're doing a really good job scouting like the fourth through seventh. It's just yeah. they're, they're gonna for them to be really good this year. They're clearly like the Lances, the Iukes, the Debos, right? Are gonna need to re be but, power but, Bosa, but part of this, What do we say about them when you think big picture and you compare them to nineteen? It's like, well, is their defense as good as nineteen? Part of getting really good on defense again is just you is is this is these guys just replenishing your team. And uh, depth, man, uh, like the that to me, that's the the Bosa's the depth is the whole. We saw it happen last year. The depth, the depth, the depth, the competitive depth is the, when you talk to coaches this time of year, they talk so much about the depth of their teams because they know it's a long year and guys are going to get hurt. It's like, well, I could, you know, I, coaches love Sanchez. I got nine offensive linemen that could start for me. Like that means as much to them as having five that can start for them. It's better. I mean, obviously it's better. Because they know they're not going to get through the season with five. Well, I was watching some of Howie Roseman's press conference, and they asked him about Landon Dickerson, right, who's their 37th overall pick, but he's coming off a torn ACL, and he's coming back, like, this week. And they're like, you know, do you vision him as a, you know, is there a chance he won't play this season? And Howie's like, well, ideally, if all five of our starting offensive linemen stay healthy right now, he yes, he will not play a snap. But he's like, knock on wood, have you guys watched our team the last couple of years? Like guys go down. So if guys go down and he's progresses and healthy, yeah, he'll play, <laughs> you know, but it's just, it's a hard thing to say. It's like, we love our depth. Yeah. We love the guy because we know that like, we feel pretty good. He's going to be a starter. I'd say the offensive line, probably even more than the defensive line. Like you have to know your backup center and backup swing tackle. It feels like every single team that guy plays some games. And when I say play game, he doesn't rotate in like a slot receiver. He fucking starts, right? Yeah. Can you win a game if this guy has to start at right tackle for a month? Well, how many teams have a backup lineman to start the year play more snaps than one of their original five? I don't know, half of them? Maybe more than half? 70% yeah, of them? Happens a lot. Like, happens a lot. It's happening to somebody. All right, uh, you mentioned Mayock, John. How about this quote from uh, Mike Mayock? Let's read it here. We've assembled 53 players. We think we're going to be a pretty good football team. We're not hiding from expectations. I think John Gruden and I will both tell you we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and I understand it, but that's what the expectation is. We think we've done the infrastructure work necessary to put us in position. We've got to take care of business. So he's saying our roster's good enough. He's saying now it's... He's not saying, I don't think he's saying like, now it's on John, but he's saying now it's like the team that's out there should be good enough, period. And if it is, we'll all yeah. be partying at uh, Mark Davis's house <laughs> and there's plenty of room for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see as like a, a thousand, you know, like room for, you know, 50 cars or something, that, you know, my favorite, throw events there. my favorite part of that, of the article I read about it was like, it does not have a dedicated man cave. And I'm like, 
Of course, the whole thing is a man cave. Look at this house. No, the, who? When when, <laughs> when someone first sent me the picture, I do you know what I thought that I thought that was their offices. I did like, too. I, oh, I was like, that's the that's the facility, and it's like, no, it's his house. I was like, is that a moat? No, it's like it's a pool. It's like a wraparound pool. The whole house. It's pretty cool. Probably pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I what else is he gonna say at this point? Like, you know, we're just we're just another year of growth, and then next year like, he kind of had to say it. The problem is, do they believe that? Do they truly think they're a playoff team? Because you just look around the conference, they and they played just the way their schedule set up last year. Like they played a lot of the fringe wildcard teams, right? And the teams that ultimately did. They didn't finish close to the playoffs. So can they make a three game? It took 11 games, right, to make the playoffs. And then you'd be like, well, they would have been the next team. The Dolphins actually were right there at 10. And the Dolphins, we saw it was kind of a coin flip game. They easily could have won it, but... That even if you win that game, then so you get nine and they get nine, and it still would have taken eleven to get in, right? So it, it that game was not the deciding factor of you getting in the dance or not. So I I do think the the gap is pretty wide, especially when you factor in like people get mad and they go, well, you make excuses for one but not the other. Well, the Niners had a lot of injuries last year. If they're if they're Jimmy Garoppolo had played the whole season, they won six games. I mean, like yeah, they probably shouldn't have brought everyone back. But that wasn't the case. The case with the with the Raiders is Derek's basically played every game the last couple of years. I guess he hurt his he hurt his growing, uh, and Mariota started the one game. Pretty good. But for the most part, like Derek's been very available, and really credit to him and, and Gruden deserves credit. Resurrected his career because it, it, after yeah, it bounced, the injury, I'd say it bounced him. definitely bounced back. Yeah, it wasn't dead, but it was a, it was a a strong bounce back like now where he's valued now he's worth on the open market a first round pick he's worth like let's face it if he's getting a contract guy if is Derek Carr a 35 million dollar quarterback be hard to say no based yeah Yeah. so you have a 35 40 million dollar quarterback if you build your team right and I'd say he's him and cousins are in the same vernacular though I'd rather have Derek if you build your team right, Cousins goes to the playoffs with Minnesota, right? That team is, like a couple years ago, you know the team that the Niners played? Like, that was dramatically a better squad than what the Raiders have, correct? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kendricks, Griffith, uh, or Griffin. They had uh, Harrison Smith, who just got a contract extension. Obviously, the, they had Thielen and Diggs. It's like Dalvin Cook. I, I just, is the, are the Raiders that good? Now, Derek can be a little better in Cousins, so he doesn't need to be truly... Like, he should be able to carry a little, too. But defensively, man, I... I have a hard time seeing them be... A, I, I, I'll i be I'll be stunned. Like, I would not pick them to make the playoffs. No, well, their schedule makes... I would say it would be an incredible... I, I'll give Gruden a lot of credit if he can make the playoffs for this team, actually. That's the way I'd look at it. Yeah, I mean, there's... Wouldn't you? My first inclination is they should be a playoff team when we did this exercise, but then we went through their schedule and their schedule's difficult. Their schedule's not easy. So... Well, it, it starts so hard. And and their and their conference is very good. And their division is good. Like, it's just... So, yeah, if they make the playoffs, they will... It, you are not... They are not going to be able to just kind of ho-hum their way to the postseason this year. They'll have to be explosive on offense, consistent on offense, and average-ish on defense. And average-ish is a major upgrade. Like, average on defense would be an incredible improvement, right? Like, if they're average on defense, they might have the defensive coordinator of the year. 
because of how bad they've been. And, and let's face it, you, you play on Monday Night Football, and they, they excelled last year. Remember week two against the Saints? I thought they were going to get their ass kicked, and they kicked their ass. I mean, they, they kind of took it to them. It, I, I, is it going to be a little harder against Lamar? I mean, Drew couldn't Yeah, I mean, throw. Lamar's got no... I, like, is everybody hurt on that team around Lamar Jackson right uh, now? No, I saw I saw Hollywood's back. Sammy's okay. back. Uh, Bateman is... I, he's got surgery, so he's out. Okay. Mark Andrews. I saw that... Uh, G- Warren Sharp said that Gus Edwards, when they do, like, the pistol... One of their run formations, Gus was dramatically better at it than J.K. Not saying that J.K.'s not a better player... But one of their formations, like Gus, is made for it. So it's like, you know, I guess they've had five different rushing leaders the last five years, you know. So it's just kind of their scheme being, with Lamar. Being the running back with Lamar, yeah. Um, you know, this is, I think, part of this when you go back to the original quote from Matt. But that would be right? a pretty big upset, I'd say, Monday Night Football if they beat the Ravens, right? It would humongous. feel pretty big. It'd feel like a big They win. do that, it's like, wait, is this team making the, maybe they are making the playoffs. Then you have to... Because the schedule, we go through the schedule and pick win-loss, win-loss, coin flip, whatever. But that's just paper. Like, you still, you get to play the games. It's cliche, but it's really true. So you beat the Ravens. If we did the schedule exercise after they beat the Ravens, then we start looking at games differently. Very, you know, so I, yeah, it would it would change the way you look at them. But again, like, I also think such a huge part of the way we look at them, John, John Gruden's contract is such a big part of the way everybody looks at the Raiders. What Mayock just said, if you had any other coach in the world coming into year four, had not made the playoffs yet, it'd be like, dude, what time to put up or shut up. But John Gruden's not even to the halfway point of his contract. And so when you don't have that hanging over a team and over a staff and over an organization, your GM doesn't have to or your owner doesn't have to make a decision on a contract. So many firings happen because you have to make a decision on a contract because you're not no one. You're not going to coach on the last year of a deal. So, so many guys get fired just be, I mean, if it, if nobody knew anybody, con- anybody's contract status, if you just never knew, then guys would coach on the last year of their contract, I think, but you just, you can't have it. So especially now the more so in college than the NFL, but I just, you're, when you're on the last year of your deal, we're constantly talking about, are you getting resigned or not? And when you don't have that hanging over your head, there, there really is not any true accountability like there's real i mean there is accountability but the ultimate accountability is can you lose your job or not for what's about to happen yeah like there's no like there's a ton of urgency right in chicago like if they go seven and ten like everyone's gonna get fired and everyone knows it there's a ton of urgency in arizona if they go seven and ten everyone the whole place is gonna get fired no one's gonna get fired yeah <laughs> i mean now again there and i'm not saying there's not could a, be a coach a, a, well certainly you know, no position one's fired coach, in I mean. oakland you're right about that yeah. um uh, there's urgency because Mayock doesn't want to lose and Gruden doesn't want to lose. And there's a lot of money being spent. Like there is urgency, but it's just not, it's just not the same conversation on the outside because of the contract status. Yeah. There's natural. I think it's fair to say there's natural urgency given the sport and how important every game is in every, I would say division one football program, right? If you walked into any building, whether it's USC or whether it's Alabama, it would all feel pretty tight, Right. The NFL is no different. But, like, you see Jimbo just got a 10-year, $100 million added extension. And Jimbo's original contract was how long? Like seven or eight? I thought it was seven for 70 or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. So he's going to get 17 and 170. But, like, I bet Jimbo's on edge right now, 
right? Just big season for them, and that's probably they're in. But no one's like, God, if we don't get it done week two, we're fucked. You know, if if you're Jimbo's guy, you're like, God damn, we're good for a while, right? And that is just that's the balance of giving the ten year contract to a guy that hadn't coached in ten years, which is not going well. Like I, I do think they're a major talking point this year. From like, Scruton just suck. You know, like you, you go four years in the NFL without making the playoffs. When you have a good a, a quarterback, it would be pretty nuts, I think. Not e- and not even get close. They haven't gotten p- close yet. It'd be one thing if like, you know, they lost week 17. It was a winner get in game and they lost in the last second field goal. Something like that, at least. You'd be like, well, at least they were right there. Like they've gotten in the last couple of weeks, last couple of years, like, yeah, good off season. Yeah, get ready for the drafts, right? Who are they going to resign? Not That's got to change. Not close. And and then it's like if it's bad again, who's is Mayock stay on as GM? Like that that is see now that's the other conversation. But Mayock's not in charge of the players, so we don't talk about his know, contract so or his job. Wouldn't even matter. Matter if we got him back on TV. Um, I did want to mention this because I think you over the years when when it relates to the 49ers, like you kind of mentioned it, we've talked so much about Kyle Shanahan and what Kyle's good at. And what his strengths are. And I think we talk about his like X and O IQ all the time. I think his EQ comes up more than we probably discuss. And so I talked to Max McCaffrey yesterday because Max McCaffrey is who's the oldest of the McCaffreys is the offensive coordinator for Ed McCaffrey. Who's the coach at Northern Colorado. So there's Max, there's Dylan who was at Nebraska and is now at, Rice, there's Christian, obviously, and then there's, uh, I'm sorry, Dylan was at Michigan and is now at Northern Colorado. Luke was at Nebraska and is now at Rice. And so we had this call. Who would you do? What if you could combine the sperm of Bosa and McCaffrey and inseminate my future wife? Do you think that's possible? Can I split your swimmers? Like, what what, what are you willing to pay for that? What would that go for in the open market? I mean, I, I would I would probably feel pretty comfortable paying a hundred grand. Would you pay an extra hundred grand if it was if 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 nobody else knew and everyone's like, God, that's Middlecoff's offspring? Yeah, we wouldn't tell anybody. It'd be secret. Yeah, but I mean, I even, would pay even, more to even, keep it secret. Even yeah. their mother didn't know. Like nobody knew. You somehow like, snuck it in like Ontario Smith into like a Wizenator. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I, I would pay more for the for privacy. <laughs> I would pay more. We'd never tell the kid. Never tell anybody. Me and my wife would be. I wouldn't. It wouldn't even mention it to any human. But my kids would be fucking dominant. So uh, disgusting, but interesting. Um, so McCaffrey. Anyway, so we started talking about like just what you what's your offensive background, and he he played for Duke. So he played for I think a guy that's really respected, especially in coaching circles, right? David Cutcliffe. He played on five NFL teams. Guy. Manning's guy played five, played four. Five, and he even said he's not like because he parts of I think like three seasons, different practice squads, that type of thing. Did get in a game with um, I forget I forget which NFL team, but he was with the Niners for like a year and a half, on and off. And I just kept kind of pressing him, like what, like what you were in the NFL, like what part of your NFL world is now part of your? You're going to be a first time offensive coordinator, like you're not, you're young, three years out of college, four years out of college, basically. It's called Big J Journalism right there, pressing. And uh, he was like, you know, I I had a lot of good guys. I didn't ask him about Kyle directly. He just said, uh, the one guy I will single out is Shanahan. And I thought, like, here we go. He's going to say the same thing that George Kittle told us. 
that same quote, was it the Toy Lolo Falcons quote before the Super Bowl where he's like, every time Kyle just knows what's going to happen before it's going to happen when it comes to scheming. But his thing was, it was not about that at all. It was all EQ stuff that he talked about. Because I was like, what? Okay, what is it that he did that you loved? He's like, it was a million little things. Like if, if a player said like, coach, we got to have this particular rehab machine for rehab. Like Kyle made sure we had it. He's like, he made it. The number one thing he did, he said, was he just made it so easy on us as players to perform. He made it so easy for us to play stress-free. And that to me is like, when I got, like, it's not just about telling a player where to go and making sure they do it. But the players are the artists. Like, there are going to have to be things that happen during the game that you could not as a coach control. And the players just going to have to be ready for an opportunity that nobody practiced for. And you can't scheme every completion wide open. Yeah, he said that was the. He just he created an environment where you could play stress free, and then he also would listen to you. Like he knew if players maybe you you were already ready for the week, he would ease up in practice. He said it was about the way he treated everybody, like from top to bottom in the organization. You just watch him, and this is why I because you keep I just keep hearing stuff like this in addition to all the stuff you see when you watch him call plays. It's why I'm just continue to be so bullish on that guy because I think it's it's the EQ in addition to the IQ, and I think so much is it you cannot duplicate being just having been in the environment your whole life. Just like th- you know, this guy knows what Max McCaffrey knows what I, discipline I, looks I, like because his dad is one of the most disciplined people that has played. I'd in the push NFL. back a little bit. I'd push back a little bit though. I think his knock before he got the head coaching job, people viewed him and his dad kind of as like dicks. Absolutely, but like, it's kind of tough. I don't think he was viewed as like. Mr. Player Friendly, like, come, I, I think he kind of butted heads. But, but I would say that it, it turns out he's really good at the thing that we thought was going to be the biggest concern. Because we hear this consistently, yeah. John. Would you, wouldn't you agree with that? I, well, yeah. That, like, I, his leadership I, I, skills are excellent. If he, if that was the not, or I mean, not a knock on him, you know, coming out of Atlanta, hey, this guy is the most player-friendly, greatest scheme guy we've ever seen. Players love him. I think he would have been offered by every team. He, he was not some can't-miss coaching candidate coming out. Because of, at, at least, whether it was true or not, that was a true not. Even Lynch mentioned it. Like, when I talked to him, I was like, you know, I'd heard some things. Because in fairness, his dad was really, I think, tough. <laughs> was just hard. In a good way, but just, his dad's old. Like, old school Came out in like the 80s and the 90s coaching football. It was just different. And I, I think Kyle clearly has some of that to him, the way he plays and what he demands of his team. I think his difference that is not the same with the Parcells, Shanahan, like that Belichick era of coaches, is they, even when you're doing it, they still are on you to keep doing it. I do think the new era, like the McVeighs, Kyle, LaFleur, if you do what they ask, they're cool with you. They're not like I. I don't think Parcells most days was cool to be around. Even if you're like, "Fuck, coach, we're ten and two. It was tough. Probably didn't take a lot of feedback. Yeah, they. It just. It was an era of coaching that was just a lot different. I mean, it truly was. And I I just think these younger guys naturally like. I I can't be mad all this time if these guys are killing it and they're just easier. I like to call it the joggers generation, John. That's the modern coach. The coach who wears joggers. This is the the joggers generation of coaches. A lot harder to scream at everybody. There are some joggers. Ch- there are some chubby guys though. Like Judge is a little chubby. Uh, I don't mean Sirianni's, physical runners. You know? I mean guys that wear joggers, wearing yeah. joggers. This is the joggers generation. I I think a huge factor is like, I think Judge has some vibes of like 
kind of a guy you would have gotten in the 80s. It's like, God, this guy you know, just feels like mean. I know. But then I heard a Giants beat writer the other day talking about how he thinks the perception of Judge is like very different than like how his team views him. Like, because we read a story about him making guys run. This guy said, I'm around it every day. Like, he's not, he doesn't come off like this, like, do what I say and just listen to me. He said, one of Judge's great strengths is he's a really good communicator. Like, he tells guys, remember, he said that to McVay. Like, you have to be able to tell players why you're doing what you're doing. So, as long as the players buy the why, I I don't know. It's just, I've, I've just, the the Giants writer was like, I just need to say, I think the way everyone's talking about him on the outside, it's kind of cheap because it's not really, how he's perceived in the building. It's where the media can fuck you because the perception can take off. And I, I mean, I'm, well, I'm part of that. Like, I, but it's as simple I, as this. I view him a certain perception way. doesn't, it doesn't matter how we, if he wins football games and it works, then who the hell, it doesn't matter. He'll, he'll succeed. True. But like, what if he fails and everyone thinks he's an asshole and he's actually yeah, a pretty good well, guy. That's, and people but like he them. failed. But <laughs> like the reason Charlie Weiss and these guys, uh, 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 what's his name from Detroit? Patricia. Patricia. He failed because he literally lost more football games. Yeah, he was terrible. He was terrible. He lost. But he's also a dick. Right. But but my point is like if if it works, then Yeah. You can be a dick if you win. All right. Um oh, one other thing I wanted to mention. Shout out here, John, to a listener. Oh. Dominic Moroglio, John, who is currently hitting uh I think like 287 for the double A Amarillo Sod Poodles. That's not a joke. Oh, ho, ho, ho. but but his his on base is 333 with eight bombs. Keep creeping up. If we can get Fred, to the fours, you'll be in the bigs. Buddy Mike Perry reached out and said, Dom is a listener. He's from Oakland. What organization is that? Uh, that's the uh Diamondbacks Double A, Amarillo Sod Poodles. So, Dom, as you're out there busting or maybe you're listening to us during early work, maybe you're doing some, uh, taking some, uh, he's a catcher. So maybe you're out there getting ready for a bullpen and just hands trying to get you through the day because it's 117 degrees in Amarillo by morning. Um, shout out to you. If you if you ever hit a home run, I mean, no, I know you're going to hit one. So next home run you hit when it's you're passing by the first baseman, give him, a, give him a wink and say promo code ham. Yeah, I don't know you if you can even do that. I don't know what, about. what, what would be, be the ham hand, hand gesture. <laughs> Uh, that's, I don't know if that's even possible. Yeah, I don't either. Just Maybe scream just guy a- at first base, John at third base. <laughs> <laughs> we need a hand gesture, John. Like the four fingers in the air, fourth quarter. Something like that. Anything else you want to add today? That's all I got. All right, everybody. You, Thanks. As of day one, you took uh, Billy Horschel. You shot five under today. Billy's done already? Yeah, I mean, my two last guys are in the last place, 29-30th, Hideki and Matsuyama. Billy Horschel's, like, right in the mix. Like, he's tied for seventh. Billy loves – Billy has won the FedEx Cup before, back before it became, Billy, like – Billy knows when the cash is on the line. He comes out of nowhere. Well, I That's actually went to the DraftKings to make my roster, John, and my thought as I was making it was like, man, sucks Billy Horschel's not in it this year. I just didn't think he was in it. He's in it. He was 29th or 30th. Like, he was – he, he was last on draft. He finds games. a way. <laughs> That's a good pick. I'm he jealous. He finds a way. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging. Peace. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.